Straight from the WCHL studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, 97.9 The Hill presents the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with your hosts Chris and C.L. Brown. Tonight, the brothers discuss sitting out bowl games, North Carolina's upcoming game against Gonzaga, and welcome Myron Redcraft of ESPN. And now, your ticket to the backyard brawl, the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show. Twas twelve days before Christmas, and all through the show, all in town except Mac Brown were stilled by the snow. As they perfect preparations from the wreaths to the lights, you better know sibling rivalry sports is gonna be a fight. CL is not budging with the athletic.com flair with aims of Chris crinkling right here on the air. But Chris brings the thunder, sports network that is. So pull your ottoman to the fireplace and let's fire up this biz. CL, <laughs> what's going on, boy? That may have been the best one yet, man. Oh, yes. <laughs> I like that. I like That's that. A compliment. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But we're about to start fighting right yeah. now. <laughs> well, are you sure? Metaphorically, that is, people. But I don't know. I don't know if we. Okay, we'll see. I don't think we are, actually. We'll see. All right. Which, well, let's just get on with it, though, as CL is uh, intimating. Welcome, welcome to the show, folks. We got a lot of great stuff and a great guest for you today. All right, here we go. It is time for the big playback. The big payback. This week on the big playback, player bowl exodus, player bowl exodus in college football. Is it changing the landscape? What's going on with this? It needs to. <laughs> it needs to. I think the biggest sign that bowl, this is the biggest sign that bowl games are essentially participation trophies for the overwhelming majority of bowl games. I mean, of course, the ones involved with the college football playoffs, you can't say that about. But every other one is. And and the lower divisions of NCAA football, they ha- they all have playoffs. Like, 16-team playoffs. Like, it, none of this rationing of how many teams can get in. That's why it's it's really a lot of this is about greed. A lot of this is about a power play by the Power Five conferences to kind of keep their control over who's getting the big money payouts, who's getting the prestige. Because we saw we saw the a long time ago, Boise State when the BCS was still the system to determine a national championship, we saw Boise State beat the so-called big boys. Oklahoma, they took down in, uh, what was that, the Fiesta Bowl, uh, I think it was. I forget which game it was, but, you know, you get the point. So (laughs) UCF now is in a position where they look like they could do the same, perhaps, but they're not getting the chance. I mean, they took down Auburn last year in a bowl game, and they've won 25 straight. But they're not getting a chance to, as an undefeated team, to even be at the table in the playoffs. And uh, it's it's absurd. So I think these kids that decide my future is in the NFL, mm-hmm. like West Virginia quarterback Will Greer, yep. Which, yep. Is, which is a huge name to be sitting out a bowl game. And last year, locally, we saw Bradley Chubb mm-hmm. uh, for NC State sit out the Sun Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, these guys, I feel like, know their value and they're choosing not to just get a participation trophy. Yeah, I mean, how dare Will Greer sit out the Camping World Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. It, I, you know, I think you're exactly right in that these bowl games are not what they used to be. If anybody doubts what we are saying, just look at the crowds at these things. You know, there were more people at the Sertoma Bowl in Winston-Salem Pop Warner when we played. And Chris Mack ran a 50-yard touchdown around the end. Here we have, you know, major colleges, sponsorship. It is money. It's big money to the schools, but they just are meaningless. And so we have these guys, the Will Greers, Greedy Williams, the cornerback from LSU with a great name. He's skipping the Fiesta Bowl. Debo Samuel from South Carolina. A pair of NC State guys. Jermaine Pratt uh, skipping the, the Gator Bowl. And so is uh, wide receiver Kelvin Harmon. Uh, now, now Harmon considered a potential first and second round choice. So, you know, you got uh, guys just coming out, and it's been happening for years. You, you know, back in t- uh, 2016, remember Christian McCaffrey and uh, Fournette? They both sat out, and they went one and two. Uh, if you flip that order, they went one and two in the draft. So, and, and McCaffrey, they, they're both doing well. Who's to say, hey man, that does that pays off? Who's who to say that? Who's to say that doesn't pay off? Is what I'm saying. It does pay off, and really, I feel like the only people who are are coming out against these. And what's funny is is coaches can't come out and say anything because that will kill them with recruits. That that's that would just be a total bad look for them to put any kind of shame on these kids and and make it uh, imply any kind of selfishness going on with the kids. Um, but I, I think. Uh, one name I wanted to throw out there, too, who, who basically shut it down earlier this season was Nick Bosa from Ohio State, yeah. who had an injury yeah. and, des- and decided instead of trying to rush back and get back on the field uh, at Ohio State, he was just like, you know what, I'm good. <laughs> I'm getting ready for the draft, which yeah. this generation of, of, of athletes right now, I feel like they just they know their value more than any other climate ever before. And I'm not, I don't just mean the personal brand. I mean, using uh, using their platform for influence. I mean, you remember the Missouri football team was going to boycott a game a couple of years ago and and ended up essentially having the school president removed over the issues that were going on on that campus. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, these guys are aware. They are aware. This is It is big business, which is also why the players should get paid, but that's a different playback. Ah, oh, Once again, oh. players should get paid, yes. Let that slip out. This yeah, is, that's this another is not, playback. There this is go. not amateur sports. It's, it's way past that. So um, mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting article. Uh, my colleague Nicole Auerbach reported yes. on Wednesday in The Athletic that essentially the movement has started for uh, yes. an 18-playoff. Um, there, there's been talks, but but the thing about that article that that was interesting to me was some of the the power brokers that were in that room are still aren't the main power brokers that need to be at the table. True. But when you leave the Big Ten, when the Big Ten gets left out like they did, um, <laughs> you know Jim Delaney and and the Big Ten is is legitimate. They bring legitimate weight to the table, and and that's not going to be good for too long. The president of the Big Twelve was at that table too, wasn't he? Yes. Yes. Nicole Auerbach, may I say? But the SEC was not. Of course. Of course. <laughs> may I say, yeah, Nicole Auerbach, sibling rivalry sports alum. Can you start handing <laughs> those out? And she'll be back one day. Okay. Well, look, I think you know just to kind of touch back on what you said, a playoff. A playoffs. I have to get that in there. A playoff would change this. Has a star player ever 
foregone, or any player really, has ever foregone the national championship, even in BCS days, or a major, like a major bowl. Foregone it, and I'm, I'm gone. Can't think of one, can you? I mean, you know, it, and I'm, I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to our audience. Can, can we think of just one? Because really, well, we can it, make an argument the Fiesta Bowl. I mean, we just mentioned that LSU's Greedy Williams Fiesta Bowl is a major bowl. Yeah, wait, does it have any weight though? Does it? I'm talking about games that matter. See, it doesn't matter now, right, CL? Because it's about ranking. It was about ranking in BCS days. Now, if you're not one of the four, it doesn't matter. Or two, two, it doesn't matter. Or three? Is it three? Three. It doesn't matter. So yeah. Fiesta, that doesn't matter? Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I was just saying in and of itself, the Fiesta Bowl is a major bowl because they'll be in that rotation, too, for the playoffs. But True. Yeah, yeah, I, True. I get your point. So, um, I don't know. I, I just want to know who out there is for keeping the 14 playoff and keeping the bowl system as it is and thinks everything. Who out there under the age of 65 is for that? I just want to know. Please hit us up on Twitter or something. <laughs> you know, there there are people that will argue for the bowls, you know, just because of tradition's sake. There are people who make the the misguided argument that somehow a playoffs would diminish part of the regular season, which has always been a... a bad argument to me um, Agreed. you know because you'll still be when they go to eight teams I would imagine some of these games will be played on campus sites and that kind of thing you're still playing for seating just like basketball yes. I mean you know yes. you're, you're playing for seating yes. which would give you some kind of advantages and things like that yep. so you're not diminishing anything lose all your games then okay if that's <laughs> uh, you know you want to talk about diminished season you know you, you can't lose so okay but you know what CL the folks who are so uh, up on uh, you know uh, tradition of the bowls which I love the tradition in the past but now what does it turn to folks are so up on that where are you when the bowls being played are you in the seats are you going to the camping world bowl I mean, you know, I just, I don't know. Uh, it's a new age. Like, we need to evolve. We evolve in everything in life. This needs to evolve, too. This isn't, you know, 1952. <laughs> it's a great year. No, I have no idea. Uh, so let's evolve on to the next segment because we're coming back with an awesome guest, Myron Medcalf from ESPN. You got to keep it locked right here on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Joining us now, our next guest has more roles than Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. <laughs> college basketball, NFL, college football, MMA, boxing. And oh yeah, catch him on Countdown to Kickoff on ESPN Radio from 10 to 1 p.m. on Sunday mornings previewing the NFL games. We're welcoming Myron Metcalf from ESPN. What's going on, man? What's up, man? More roles than Eddie Murphy, man. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> what you know about that? <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, wants to call himself Muhammad Ali. <laughs> he can call himself Muhammad Ali. <laughs> we'll jump right in with, with college hoops, though. Uh, that's That's 
where the bread is buttered right now. And I know you're out in Maui and got to see Gonzaga up close. And uh, there's obviously a big game, Gonzaga coming to Chapel Hill on Saturday. What What are your thoughts on the Zags this year? I mean, yeah, they just got knocked off from uh, being number one against Tennessee. But you can make the argument. I mean, they don't even have one of their best players back yet. And they're playing at this level so far. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like you got to remember that obviously that the tournament, everything's on a neutral site, right? So that's why, to me, Maui w- was so big for Gonzaga because to, to that's the kind of situation you're going to have to beat a team like Duke in probably to win a national championship. And, and they did that in Maui. And then they do the same thing in Tennessee where they go, you know, that that's a game you got to win. Like they're up late against Tennessee. And then Admiral Schofield and that Tennessee defense just kind of locked him up. And I think Gonzaga can be a national champion. Like you said, Killian Tilly is not back yet. He will be back, I think, next month, possibly. Um, that Brandon Clark kid, man, that nobody had ever heard of before this. He was at San Jose State. Uh, he, he's turned himself into a first-round pick, yeah. I think. So between him and Rui Hachimura, uh, having a, a savvy dude like Josh Perkins, they, they got to be better defensively. I think that's what you saw down the stretch. Uh, against Tennessee, especially perimeter defense. Uh, but they have every piece you want in a national championship team. Yeah. Have you gotten to see Carolina in person yet? I wasn't sure if you were out in Vegas when they play. I have not. I've watched them on TV. I have not seen them in person. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to that game Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and we, we're seeing uh, on, on Wednesday, uh, Kyle Tucker at, at The Athletic reported that Quade Green uh, was uh, basically one foot out the door at Kentucky. We've also seen Villanova, Javon Quinterly, freshman guard. He had a post after their loss to Penn, uh, basically saying some, something to the effect of that's why it was his second school, because his second choice, because he only played a minute in that game, and it looks like he might be out the door. What, what do you think? What's wrong? Is there something wrong with us maybe expecting too much when these high-profile freshmen you know, don't necessarily come in and play right away and have big numbers. And we're seeing a little bit of it with at Carolina with Nasir Little, people freaking out because he's not in the starting lineup. Is there something wrong with us? Is there something wrong with the kids maybe expecting too much too soon? How, how do you see kind of these these situations playing out? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we play a big role in it. Like, like we're old enough to remember, man. Like, like remember when there were only like six five-star recruits? <laughs> like five or six yeah. dudes who were legit five star. Yeah. Like you couldn't get a five star rating unless you were Shaq, unless unless you were Penny, unless you were somebody who was such a proven talent mm-hmm. that everybody agreed you were a five star kid. Now we got thirty of them. Yeah. Like how do we have thirty five star kids <laughs> like coming into college basketball every year? That part is is to me the big change. So now. Anybody in the top 30, really top 40 now, uh, gets compared to everyone else in that group. So now if you're a five-star kid and you're one of the 30 or 40 best players in the league, in the uh, in high school, we expect you to be a one-and-done, which is just dumb. Mm-hmm. A, there aren't that many one-and-dones, and there aren't that many slots for an NBA uh, rookie class anyway. But we put everybody in the same boat. So now if you're one of the 30 or 40 best kids, you got to be a one and done. So that pressure is unfair for any kid who might develop at a at a typical rate. Um, but that's how the Javon Quindleys. I think mean, that's how the Quad A Greens. Oh, 
he's a five star, so automatically, and if you go to a place like Kentucky, certainly yeah. you're supposed to blossom like that. Quinterly's situation is different because I think people figure, hey, if Brunson can do it, why can't he? But like Brunson was one of the best players in America. He won the Wooden Award. Yeah. Uh, he he had a pedigree with his dad and and just how much basketball he'd been around. Brunson was different. So I think anytime a kid comes to Jay right now, we go, oh, he'll fix him. But the reality is most kids need multiple years of college before they're ready to play at the next level. And a whole lot of kids can play four years and still not be ready. So I definitely think there's something wrong with us. But for me, it starts with the recruiting analysis. I just remember a period when really, really, really good players were not five-star kids. Like really, really good players couldn't get five stars. And now we got 30 of them. How does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's kind of like the source when they start giving out five mics for too many albums, man. <laughs> All those albums uh, are not classics. I'll let my brother jump in. Myron, uh, just right off the bat, I, I just want to ask you, I saw your tweet. You're asking for replacements for Joel Anderson, Joel D. Anderson, in the ESPN <laughs> Brothers United group oh, text. I was just wondering where the link was. <laughs> you didn't link that, man. I want to apply is there a link? Is what I'll get you. I'll get you an application. If, he, if he's saying if he's saying life after life after death is not a classic, then he and I can't be friends. I will not. I will not have any open dialogue about Biggie Smalls uh-huh. and the two albums he put out. Now, if you want to talk about Tupac uh-huh. and all of the incomplete albums he put out, we can do that. But not. <laughs> wow! I think you just ignited another Shots war on fired. the West Coast. No. <laughs> It's the, it's the truth. <laughs> Tupac has never had a classic album. Biggie has two. Oh, never here we go. Never here had we go. Come on, here come we on. Go. Never had a classic Myron. All Eyes on Me was a CD full of filler, right? Like he didn't need that many songs on All Eyes. On. I could say the same for Life After Death. He didn't need all those songs. See, I, see, I disagree. I di- okay, I disagree. but we want to keep you as a guest, so. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say on the show. I'm just saying, Biggie for me, classic albums. And that's all I gotta say. Me against the world, classic Tupac album too. But and and I'm not I'm, I'm on Biggie. I'm a Biggie guy. But you can't. I can't let you just discredit Pac like that. But but I'm not, see, I'm not discrediting him. I just, I just, you're not discrediting him. No, here he was an icon. I think if Pac, see Biggie didn't have movies and all the stuff that Pac had. Pac was an icon. Pac was definitely an icon. He magnified everything he did. And nobody will ever take that away from Pac. He was an icon who also happened to have a couple classic albums. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you've just joined us, this is sibling. This is sibling rivalry sports, but we're expanding sibling rivalry music, sibling rivalry music and entertainment with our first guest, Myron Metcalf. I tried to tell y'all he's a man of many talents. <laughs> he we're not just sticking to one thing. You gotta here. love that. Actually, you know what? Let's be let's be real. CL would qualify. I would not qualify, man. Because yeah, I, I like I like Will Smith, man. I like his body of work, man. I'm just gonna put that out there. So I know I would. Qualify. All right. Yeah, movies are great. <laughs> Give it a shot at Will Smith. All right, listen. Uh, hey, man. So you know you're you're in the Minnesota area. You're very familiar with Minnesota Vikings, and I just wanted to ask you, what's going on with their D? If anything, do you think anything's going on? They're ranked 11th. I just coming into the season. They're so talented, and Zimmer is a stubborn bulldog of a coach when it comes to overseeing a D, but they do not seem like they're as dominant as of late. So are they playing a role in this this trouble, this this slump-ish time that the team is having, or is it mainly offense? 
No, I mean, the the defense is actually, now that they've gotten healthier, um, they've actually played much better. I mean, you go to the game they just played on Monday night against Seattle. That That's a six-point game. That's a close game until Seattle breaks out late. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a defensive battle. And mm-hmm. I thought Minnesota put the offense in a position to win, but the offense has to help them out. The biggest issue to me overall is just Mike Zimmer. Uh, you know, Mike Zimmer's failing, and the Minnesota Vikings are failing. Hmm. Anytime you can go to the NFC Championship game, lock up a two seed the way they did last year, and generally like look like a Super Bowl team throughout the season, and now you've doubled your losses from last year after adding an $84 million guaranteed guaranteed $84 million for Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there's a problem. There is a disconnect. They have the same weapons. They have better weapons. Stephon Diggs is better than he was a year ago. I think Thielen's better than he was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook is healthy. So they got all these pieces um, that are upgrades even from a year ago. They've added pieces defensively. So why are you worse? They have not. Kirk Cousins hasn't defeated a winning team this year. If you can't beat winning teams and I just spent $84 million guaranteed, hmm. that's a problem. So, you know, Mike McCarthy got fired and everybody was like, we, we saw that coming with the Packers. Mm-hmm. I won't be surprised if at the end of the year, uh, Zimmer gets fired. I wow. mean, to me, he has to, he has to get to the playoffs for sure, right? He's got to lock that up. Mm-hmm. If they don't get to the playoffs, he's done. Wow. Then it's going to be interesting if they get to the playoffs and they embarrass themselves, what happens then? Because mm-hmm. the reason why we keep talking about, talking about Kirk Cousins is mm-hmm. not because of the $84 million. A lot of quarterbacks in this position would get that kind of money. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Three years, $84 million, $28 million a year mm-hmm. for a team that just went to the NFC title game. Mm-hmm. If you go backward, if you go back instead of forward, that's a failure. Mm-hmm. And that, that's... You know that's the concern I think with Minnesota. Hey, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to be you know kind of behind the curve on this, but what happened with Bridgewater? I don't understand when he came back from his injury. I don't understand why all of a sudden he's gone. I don't because they loved him and he did well. Yeah, I, I just think they weren't gonna. I mean, Bridgewater to me was at the point where you're either gonna invest in him as a starter mm-hmm. or you're gonna let him move on. They, they weren't gonna give Bridgewater big money after that injury. You know, and we'll see if somebody else does. I hope this summer somebody does just that. But the injury he had was so catastrophic, man. Like, I heard from a doctor who compared the injury he had in practice with nobody touching him to the injury that people get when they're in serious car accidents, right? So, like, his injury was as severe as anything that's happened to any player in recent NFL history. So I think if you're the Vikings, you hope, okay, let's get them back. Let's see what happens. But then you get to that point where you say, are we going to invest? And that is a tough call. I mean, to Minnesota's credit, that's a tough call with a dude that, you know, you just watched him recover for more than a year, missed nearly two years. Um, He's very likable, and I think Teddy Bridgewater is a great quarterback who deserves another shot somewhere. Mm -hmm. But I think Minnesota was just too afraid to put that kind of money into someone who just come off of that major injury. 
Okay. Now, staying with the NFL um, and and skipping over to the east side of the country, what do you think about the recently announced changing of the guard in Baltimore? Uh, do you? Yeah, I would love to hear just an insight that you have. You know, we've heard what everybody the herd mentality thing. Everybody, well, they they're gonna get behind him now, and Flacco's gone, and all that. But is there any kind of little insight that people might be overlooking with this changing of the guard? Maybe how Flacco's seeing it. Maybe how, how Lamar Jackson's going at it. Anything you got? Well, I, I just don't know why Lamar Jackson is being held to a different standard than the other rookies. You, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a first year player, and yeah, he's starting. He's the only, he's the only that. rookie whose team is in playoff contention. Is that not right? He's the only rookie quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I don't. And to me, he's winning games. I don't care how he's winning; he's winning. Now, I think people are having the wrong conversation about Lamar Jackson. What they're trying to say is, is he the quarterback of the future? Is he somebody that's going to get big money and he's going to lead this team? I don't know the answer to that. I know Lamar Jackson has his flaws, but I also know before Lamar Jackson, this team had lost four or five. You know, I, I also know that all the Joe Flacco hype. He's never. He's only put up more than 35 points once this season. He's been average. That's why he's not getting his job back. Think about it. John Harbaugh is probably is going to lose his job if you don't make the playoffs probably, right? He could lose his job. Mm. And he's saying, I could turn to my veteran quarterback who's ready to go and available, or I can turn to my, my rookie quarterback, Lamar Jackson, and he turns to Lamar. Like, mm. this is no longer a Joe Flacco's hurt. This is Lamar Jackson earning that position. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, true. And That's he's doing it a lot with his legs, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But they're winning. They went to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Kansas City on the road and almost knocked off a team that a lot of people have picked to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a team that is acceler- is doing well with Lamar Jackson. He has his flaws. But with that defense, as good as they are, I think Lamar Jackson can get them into the playoffs. The other thing is, like, Flacco's not coming back because they know how much money they're going to save without Flacco. They can get rid of $10.5 million in cap space mm-hmm. by cutting up, cutting Flacco right after the season. Mm-hmm. Or if they make him a post-June 1st cut, that's a second cut line, mm-hmm. they can save $18.5 million. Mm-hmm. They're just going to keep him to June 1st and cut him and save all that money and move on. Mm-hmm. So get used to Lamar Jackson because unless they draft someone or make some big trade like a Nick Foles or something like that, He's going to be their quarterback, and, and I think they deserve to give him a chance. He deserves a chance to develop. Mm-hmm. Myron, I've been trying to tell Chris for all this time how average Joe Flacco was, but <laughs> he wouldn't listen to me, so I'm, I'm glad you, without saying it, directly said it for me. <laughs> hey, if, people think, if people think Lamar Jackson is average, what does that say about Joe Flacco? <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting his job back. That's oh, all you need to know. No Man. doubt. Well, that's all the time we have tonight for uh, Myron Metcalf. I appreciate you being on, brother. Man, um, we need more time, man. No this doubt, no great. doubt. One of one of my favorite guests to this day. <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> to this day. Uh, a little boxing reference. Anyway, you're welcome back anytime, Myron. Appreciate Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. 
and we're about to talk football. But see, first, first, I do want to say, coming out of the interview with Myron Medcalf, I, I I said something that was a little misleading, and that is that you know I claimed Will Smith when it comes to the rap battle, you know, the rap game, or whatever. Just try to be a little funny, but I, I want to know, I want you to know that if if it's just the deep down and the real, real. Going back to who I claim, I'm going to go dynamic twins. That's who I am, my brother. And people don't even know who they are. <laughs> Google them. Dynamic twins. I'll take dynamic twins over anybody. Now. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> NFL. Football. I just couldn't leave the Will Smith hanging out. I, I like some of it, but that's not who I am. That's cool and all. That's actually a good segue. Well, no, I'm not going to do them like that. I'm, I'm not going to do them like that. <laughs> but we have the contenders and the pretenders with NFL. <laughs> you just did them like NFL. that. I didn't do them like that. I didn't say nothing. This, this was a planned segment. We talked about this. This was a planned segment. NFL playoff picture is about to be crystallized in the next in the coming weeks. So, uh, so what say ye? Who do you have out there as as your contender? Contender. Okay, so I'm gonna just go away from the usual from the Baltimore. I'm gonna go away from that route and give you something you new. God, listen, listen to me. I get so sick of this. People underestimating the Seattle Seahawks. They play sound fired up smash mouth football if you play the seahawks and you think oh they don't have much of a passing game oh they're out of their stadium they're not going to do that good you will get beat the seattle seahawks pete carroll has them playing sound defense he's got his young guys up there who are bought in literally bought in to what they're doing they will smash you in the mouth they will run over you and then russell wilson will throw a finesse pass and you'll wonder what happened as you're going home with an l you know what? I mean, you said that was a departure, but that's like 20 years ago, Chris. And full disclosure, Chris used to be a Seattle Seahawks fan before he became a Baltimore fan. Right, before so Baltimore this, existed. This is still his wheelhouse. Like, no, it's, it's not. Now, now listen, man, now, you know that I don't sit like around rooting. showing love for an old girlfriend. That's still no way. your wheelhouse. No, that's you know I don't sit love. around rooting for that's your first But I don't sit around rooting for him all the time. To. Listen, in the Super Bowl, I was going for New England. When they played Seattle. So that, that says it all right there. <laughs> I'm shaking my head. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> well, I'm married, Nike. I don't have time for old girlfriends. All right. Well, who do you have as your pretender? Every single year, there's a team that goes on a long streak of, of wins, and, and everybody's like, oh, hey, hey. Houston. Houston Texans. Listen, the only reason is inexperience. Inexperience. I, I love their quarterback. I'm not saying that that's that guy's going to be super dangerous. It's not that Deshaun Watson. It's not that. It is just I do not think that they are experienced enough, and I'm not convinced by their wins. They just lost at home to a divisional rival. I think Houston is not going to go very far. All right. Well, I'm going to start with my pretender. Mm-hmm sticking in the AFC, the Miami Dolphins, because hmm. obviously they won on on the late miracle against the, the Patriots yeah, last week. That was awesome. But now they're going to have to go on the road for two out of their last three games. Mm-hmm. Um, they're seven and six right now. A bunch of teams kind of in the middle for that, for those last two uh, wild card spots mm-hmm. at seven and six. Miami closes at 
at the Vikings. They have the Jaguars at home, and then they play the Bills on the road. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't seem like all that scary of a schedule to finish out with, but then you factor in Miami's 1-5 on the road this year. 1-5. and five. <laughs> I just don't see them as a team that's going to get it done and, and overcome when they've already shown mm-hmm. that they've, they're suspect on the road. So. Yes. I don't think Miami, when all is said and done, is going to make one of those uh, wild card spots. That's Joe. Fl- that might be Joe Flacco's new new landing spot, Miami. Yeah. And I'm going to flip it on you. My contender that you say is a pretender, I'm going to say the Houston Texans. Really? Because sometimes, really? and we see this in college basketball a lot, sometimes you got to play a soft schedule to build up your confidence, to get young guys the experience they need and the confidence they need to be able to to compete. And right now, they're sitting a very confident team at 9-4. and four. Um, They close out with, with certainly winnable games against the Jets, Eagles, and Jaguars yeah, to yeah. close out the season. So mm-hmm. I think they could, they could run the table those last three games yeah. and be sitting at 12-4 and four sure. and really be in a position, uh, depending on what New England does, uh, right. also 9-4, and four, to get the number two seed in, sure. the, in the AFC. No doubt. But then they're going to get in the playoffs and lose in week one, especially if they face those Ravens. Well, they won't lose in week one because they'll have a bye. <laughs> you so know what I mean there, <laughs> <laughs> but home game, I mean, I would like to be in that position. If you're if you're going to be able to take a week off, who knows what you need to heal up, who, who has to heal up. You have a week off, you get uh, a home game in the playoffs. I, I'll take those odds every time. Deshaun is nice. All right, well, let's uh, uh, take the odds of going to some of our uh, sponsors, people who put us on the air, and and hearing what they have to say. I can't wait, but uh, come on back because we have more here on Sibling Rivalry on 97.9 The Hill. For the final segment of Sibling Rivalry Sports, let's get it on with college basketball. Yes, sir. So um, we're not going to have time to really cover this part, um, but I wanted to just throw out there an AP voter, Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal, who didn't rank Kansas, Duke, Tennessee, Auburn, Texas Tech on his ballot uh, for this week because they haven't played a true road game. And he has he wrote a whole story on it on on why he was going to do that, and it was because they hadn't played a true road game by you know this certain December date, which I think is ridiculous of an otherwise fine journalist to put these kind of arbitrary restrictions on because all of those teams have played quality teams. I could understand if they just sat at home brought all these cupcakes in and playing and you know you don't want to rank them but I mean come on Duke played Gonzaga uh, Kansas played Michigan State Champions Classic Tennessee just played and beat number one Gonzaga on a neutral court in mm-hmm. Phoenix like there that says nothing close to uh, home game or any kind of advantage for them to go out to Phoenix to play that game and win so mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted to throw that out there because Gonzaga is coming to town to Chapel Hill, and I think this is probably the biggest non-conference home game Carolina's played since Maryland came in uh, the 2015-2016 season. Um, I can't remember if Maryland was number one or number two at the time. Uh, Well, they've never been number one, so I think uh, they're number two. Hmm. But um, 
you know, I, I think this is a, a great barometer game, especially mm-hmm. the way Carolina played at Michigan and losing that game. Mm-hmm. Gonzaga has size. Gonzaga has experience. Gonzaga has depth. And uh, we're going to play a clip from Gonzaga coach Mark Few uh, that I thought was really interesting. I don't remember him even saying this in a national title game in 2017, but that he uh, patterned the program after Carolina. Let's, uh, let's go to this clip from Mark Few. And again, but it also shows you the kind of guy Roy Williams is. I mean, we have, first of all, he's a good friend of mine. I have the utmost respect uh, for him, dating all the way back uh, to his Kansas days. And we, we ran uh, Roy's break and all of Roy's action. My first, my first, right when I got here as a head coach, we put all uh, his stuff in. Um, he's a man of high integrity. He runs his program the right way, and uh, we've modeled a lot of our program after, you know, Carolina. It's classy, and it's done the right way, and they do, you know, they do it the right way. And so uh, uh, it just shows you volumes uh, about him, you know, and, yeah. and uh, it's, 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 it's a pretty cool thing. It's a pretty cool thing. It's, it's cool that we're kind of, you know, not, I'm not going to say replaying the national championship game, uh-huh. but we're revisiting the, yeah. the game and, and uh, you know. It'll be good. What did you think about that comment? I think it's it's interesting for a coach to give that much credit to uh, you know to another team uh, right before you're going to play. What what do you think about that? Somewhere Bill Belichick is smiling and happy <laughs> over his influence of other coaches and other sports. No, I, I it sounded very sincere to me, and you know, like I asked you, CL, why would that not have been a part of? You know the PR during the championship in 2017. It could have. I I just don't remember to be honest. He he very well could have said that back then. But um, I think it, this is going to be a true test to see where this Carolina team is right now. Um, Josh Perkins is a veteran point guard. I think it's going to be a good matchup with him and Kobe White. Um, Rui Hachimori. At forward, I don't know who who's Carolina's going to put on them. Uh, it might be Luke May to start um, in the starting lineup, mm-hmm. or or actually it, it might be a better matchup for uh, for Garrison Brooks to be honest. But um, he's going to be a force. I mean, he's he's inside outside uh, passes the ball well for them too. He's he's going to be difficult to stop. So I think this uh, more so than the game at Michigan to me. I think this game is going to be a barometer to where Carolina is at this point in the season. By the way, what happened with that Maryland game a couple seasons back? Uh, Carolina won. Um, That was the game. I think Marcus Page just came back from from his hand injury uh, in that game, and and Carolina won. Okay, interesting. Well, it's going to be a great one. All eyes will be on that one. And by the way, shout-out to Dana O'Neill. Um, again, may I say, sibling rivalry sports alum, the professional sports writer that she is, who who, who called that Tennessee was going to be a serious force to reckon with, and they've shown some of that just now. Well, we're going to have to wrap up this segment of sibling rivalry sports. Let's go to the brownout. The brownout. Have Mac Brown's early moves already turned the tide for North Carolina football? 
Mac Brown, Mac Brown. Well, I do think that he has, as we said in the opening poem, uh, he has been the only one who's moving around and shaking during the snowstorm and uh, getting, uh, you know, top-notch assistant coaches, uh, getting getting recruits to to reconsider and come on back after they had decommitted. Uh, you know, bringing in four-star, three-star recruits. He he's doing it, announcing that he's doing air raid. I love what he's doing. He has already made a mark. I hate to be Debbie Downer here, but this <laughs> happens with every new coach and every new program. Same with recruiting classes. It all sounds good. They're all making great moves. They're all doing X, Y, Z. Like to to me, none of this matters to me. Like I I can't say I can't say he's taking a step forward. I can't say he's taking a step back. Like to me, nothing will really come to fruition until we actually start seeing uh, seeing them play in spring spring football and results on the field. That's what I think he's brought in for, and that's what I'll judge him on. Okay. Next question. Yeah. The Raiders' lease is up in Oakland after the season, so they'll be forced to play the 2019 campaign elsewhere before moving to Las Vegas. Where do they end up? CL, where do you think the Raiders will wind up? I mean, they 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 shot. It seemed like they shot down San Diego pretty fast, but I think that's the most logical location for them. They it seemed like when they would play the Chargers, there would be more Raiders fan there true. than the Chargers anyway. That's that's to me seems like a natural location for one year. I will tell you though, the stadium that's not going to work. That will not work down there with that stadium. The stadium uh, there now don't work. <laughs> they keep playing in it. Well. I think, do you remember when they first considered moving to Las Vegas, there was where they were trying to consider exactly where they go. There are a couple places mentioned. One was in Texas. I think the Raiders will play. No, I don't don't even think it's going to be San Antonio. I think it's going to be Houston. I think they are going to go and play. Or it could easily be Arlington, Dallas. It could easily be that area. There are a couple stadiums they could play in in that area. So I think it'll be somewhere... Uh, who knows if they're going to be called the Texas Raiders? Who knows? That, that's my guess for it. That would be interesting. Six different teams received first place votes in this week's Associated Press Top 25 Men's Basketball poll. Who's your number one in college basketball? All right. So who's your number one in college basketball right now? Oh, man, I, I can't. Uh, I can personally, I can't agree with Kansas. I just I, I'm not there. Um, I mean, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna just and say Tennessee. I, I think Tennessee has has earned the spot. Uh, I think they deserve it. Um, I, I, you know, after beating number one, after being top five, I, I just think you know the seven one. They played teams. They they've earned it. I don't think that's a bad choice. But I'm gonna go uh, even farther. Well, it's not that far off the radar, but say Michigan, because right now Michigan is playing as well, if not better than anyone else in the nation. But the thing that I see about it is I feel like their ceiling is limited. I I think some of these other teams, the Dukes and the Kansases, uh, the Carolinas, I think their ceiling is high once their guys, especially the young freshmen, start playing at a high level. But right now, for me, Michigan's playing the best. ESPN aired 42-1, which detailed Buster Douglas's historic upset over Mike Tyson in a heavyweight boxing match. What's the greatest upset ever? And lastly, the greatest upset. What you got, man? Yeah, please go last. I want to go last. You go. I got to say the miracle on ice, because when you think about it, 
these were college kids on the on the Olympic team for the United States playing against basically the best professionals in the world. This was the dream team, essentially, the Soviet Union. Yes, you. <laughs> they were the dream team of hockey back then. So to have these college kids who had just gotten beaten by them, like embarrassed by them in New York uh, in the garden, I guess it was, uh, uh, a weeks or months uh, before the Olympics, to come back on them like that, it's mm. got to be the miracle on ice. CL, do you remember where you were? Did you see it? Do you remember? Yeah, I was at Cormaru's house. Oh, nice. Okay. I was at my buddy Steven's house when I had All right, so... Well, earlier we talked about, you know, going back to the old, uh, you know, the old school and everything. I've got to dip back to the old school one more time. When the Seattle Seahawks in 1983 went down to Miami and beat Dan Marino and his boys in the playoffs. And this was the this was when the Seahawks had never won a playoff game. And they went down there and they beat them. Uh, 28 to 23. I have to say that is the biggest upset that I've seen just because they had never won a game. They were still new to the league. Nobody gave them any credit. Man, that's uh, a terrible choice. That's an excellent <laughs> choice. They're so underrated. Dave Craig slinging passes. I wonder what the point spread was. That wasn't a big upset. Point spreads don't determine an upset. It what does. determines is what people think is going to happen, and nobody was giving them a chance. <laughs> That was a, that was an awesome upset. We'll try and get him better next week, folks. <laughs> we thank you for listening. Yes, and Merry Christmas, and y'all be safe out there in the Chapel Hill area and all this snow and ice. Okay, I'm Chris Brown. I'm CL Brown, and this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports, Sports on 97.9 The Hill.